Good evening and welcome to Football Bloody Hell. On the show tonight, Thorpey's back from Spain. But he's got to rush off so we might miss half of him. Hilda Pryor's here. So is Ricky Hyatt. And West Ham fan Will Brummel's here as well. So I'm just on recording duty tonight. So sit back and enjoy. We've got it all to talk about. Unfortunately, a lot of it's going to be about Yeovil Town in the FA Cup. One, two, three. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And that was just for you, Rick, that was, because normally Thank I you. do that at the end. But um, as you have just heard on the intro, my um, guests this evening are Rick Hyatt. We'll start with you. How are you, Rick? Uh, I'm not so bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Not too bad Very at good. all. Will's here again. Hello, mate. Hi oh boys, yeah, I'm not too bad either. We covered after Saturday's uh, trauma, so I'm looking <laughs> well, forward. We'll, uh, to we'll come on to that riveting conversation. And um, Thorpey has uh, touched down this afternoon. I think it was this afternoon from uh, sunny Spain. Is that right, Thorpey? Uh, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. So uh, been hard at it on the building site today. So um, uh, yes, it, lovely time away, beautiful sunshine, and uh, raring to go. Well. Um, you say raring to go, but we are going to have to start with uh, <laughs> with the draw, which happened, of course, the in the FA Cup replay, <laughs> replay um, against Taunton. Um, Rick, you, you were with me in co-coms at the weekend, so I'm going to have to start with you, I'm afraid, because I'm asking the questions Thanks. currently. <laughs> um, look. A lot's been said about it. We spoke about it during commentary and at the end as well, that the likely result going into it probably looked like a nil-nil draw, judging on by what both teams have managed to create this season in their respective leagues. Um, just to kind of sum up for Thorpe, who wasn't there, um, but there wasn't really a lot to report, was there? No. Was it one shot each on target? For the duration of the of the game, it wasn't the uh, uh, it wasn't a spectacle, was it? It was. Let's, uh, let's, let's look at it from a Taunton perspective first of all, Rick, because of course, yeah. judging on how what we saw from them in the first half, yeah, um, I think they can be really happy um, with what they um, took to Yeovil, and will probably be quietly confident, if not loudly confident, going into the replay. Well, it was it was mission accomplished, wasn't it? They got. The oval back to their place, which is the intent, the intention of a lower league team in the away game. And for the first twenty minutes, they dominated it. But after that, the game just sort of petered out, didn't it? Really. So uh, they didn't have to. To be honest, they didn't have to do an awful lot to achieve that aim, because Yeovil could still be there now, and they probably wouldn't have scored. How did you see it, Will? Particularly from a Yeovil perspective, because it was your first game at Hewish Park for a little <clears> while, <throat> wasn't it? 
Oh, well, apart from the disappointment of the result, um, it was very disappointing the way we played. I was, I was sort of trying to think about it today, and we've got quite a young side overall. And I, I sort of trying to analyse why we played so badly. Um, and I, I was it because um, we were a higher division than Taunton, and we went into the game being young players, thinking we just have to walk it and we'll easily win, you know. And it's because there was no effort, there was no passion. It, it just they were all scared. I think they the Oval team just felt that they would win anyway. And the only person who really put it about was Josh Staunton. Um, you know, he got stuck in a few times and for the rest of the team was just pitter-patter stuff. It was quite disappointing. And as you say, Thompson must be well-pleased. You know, they were easily on par with Yeovil and now we're going to have to play them at their own ground, and, which gives them more money, which is great for them, but it also gives them a great chance to win the game, I think, you know. So, um, Paul, you have um, a foot in both camps, um, obviously, with this one, Yeovil and Taunton. Um, yeah. You've played in cup games. With with a contest like this, particularly from Yeovil's point of view, being the higher team, um, is it more about mentality rather than quality when it comes into these kind of games? Yeah, especially against Taunton, because it's actually a local derby, isn't it? And I think that... Um... Paul Thorpe, Daddy. It is the Paul Thorpe. Yeah, it's 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 funny, isn't it? Because like you know, both clubs. Uh, listen, I'm I'm Yeovil through and through, and everybody knows that. But uh, I had an amazing time at Taunton. We were successful. We got you know with sort of like uh, three championships. We had two semi-final the FA Vases, and um, you know with some uh, really decent cup runs as well. You know in the in the um, in the FA Cup as well. One classic against uh, Cheltenham where we really. 2-0 down, really should have like beaten them, but got got stuffed literally in the 96th minute with a real scuffer. Um, but um, they're, they're an up-and-coming club, so to get that draw for them will be absolutely fantastic. Like you say, you know, both clubs need the money, but they'd be equally, um, you know, they're sort of real successful Taunton uh, um, hierarchy of getting a draw back to, uh, back down to Taunton. You know, um, but Yeovil, you know, uh, I'm, I'm I'm surprised. I'm actually just looking at the um, uh, the actual lineup, and and I'm I'm sort of like a little bit surprised the way he's set up. Um, but yeah, the passion in you know it's the FA Cup at the end of the day, and I also absolutely love it. And um, it, it's uh, something that you you go into, and you always want that excitement to try and get through to the bigger clubs, which I was fortunate enough to do, you know, at, uh, at Yeovil. And when we play QPR, you know, and it's um, it's a fantastic uh, when you get that run going. It is uh, the adrenaline's really flowing, and um, you know, I used to live down the bottom of town uh, back then in those days, and uh, used to love walking up through town. Really, sort of got the blood flowing. See a few of the old fans, have a quick chat to them, and then get to the club, and and then get it prepared. And hopefully, you were you were you were getting at them nice and early, and and winning the game. But I say I was a. No, go on, Paul. No, sorry. I, you know, so yeah, it was. Uh, I, I'm. I was very surprised when people actually said to me, you know, a couple of people said to me, it's the worst thing they've ever seen, um, which was disappointing. Um, you know, and and lacklustered and um, lack of passion. That was the one one big thing that came out. Really, it was where was the passion? You know, this is a uh, this is Yeovil Town and this is the FA Cup. So you're expecting them to be um, really getting at Taunton. 
And now they've got a really difficult task going down to Taunton and, you know, on a very tight pitch with um, their fans going mad. So it's going to be, it's going to be a real, as Will said, it's going to be a real, you know, real tough one for you to get a result. But hopefully they will be able to do so. We talk about the um, um, the draw and what can obviously come of this if you get a decent cup run. But at the time yeah. of recording on this podcast, um, it's the Monday evening just before the first round draw has um, taken place. Um, yeah. So Yeovil and Taunton both, both in the hat. But if a plum draw was to come out at this early stage, so I think they could get a Sunderland, a an Ipswich, a yeah. Wednesday derby, something like that. Um, with Taunton also being in the draw, if it was a draw like that, would that be something that Yeovil would probably want to avoid at the moment because it would probably give Taunton the impetus to get through Yeovil and they get the plum tie just as much as it would be an incentive for Yeovil? I, it shouldn't do, but I, I do agree with you. I do agree with you. It's, uh, for, for me, like, you know, you get that plum draw. Say, like, you get Sunderland away. I mean, Taunton Town going to Sunderland. Wow. I mean, that would be something incredible. And, yes, that would give them a little bit more of an edge, I would say. You know, it shouldn't do, you know, because every everybody should have the passion to try and get through. And, listen, sometimes you just have those type of games and they, it's difficult to get going and you can't get out of, of first gear and... Um, both teams can't, and and it um, it gets a bit frustrating for for you as a player as well. But um, I, I have to say, I've not had that in an FA Cup game. I've not had that in an FA Cup game at all. I've always um, they've always been decent games, sometimes very hard fought, and um, there has always been a lot of passion there. Do Do you think the fact that one side of the ground didn't have any fans in, there wasn't that verb abuse from that side of the pitch had anything to do it, didn't it? There was no creation of a, a stadium feel where there's people all around you putting pressure on you. You know they're there. That side of the stadium, the stand, being nobody there, there was nothing coming in from that side to the players. Do, do I think it made a difference? Yeah. It's always it's always nice to hear the fans. I've got to say, as a player, you know it it, it makes it makes this voice all about. You know, you want to play in front of people. You know, anybody that says to me, like, you know, oh, football, you know, you don't like people to get to, to, to notice you, that's a lie. You know, you don't like playing in front of big crowds, that, that, that's a little rubbish. And, and do you need four grounds or, 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 or people on all four sides of the pitch? Absolutely. You know, absolutely, of course you do. Because you want to. Probably made the away fans more louder as well, yeah. because of, like Will says, <laughs> there's, that, there's that one side that isn't there, and you've got that one area of Taunton. Supporters, yes. and you'll probably be able to hear it. Obviously, more, um, more them, more them than than the home supporters, and that was certainly the case because Taunton had the better of the chances in that first half, and the fans definitely got behind them quite early on. Mm. They're, but they're a decent side. I mean, they do. They I've watched them uh, the two seasons in the in the uh, preseason games, and on both of those occasions, they 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 look like a diagonal ball to the far post. Um, they seem to in the last game. They seem to to uh, attack the right hand, um, right back sort of like area with a high ball, you know. And um, but they they also what we call power football. You know, power football is where you get it forward and you press forward as early as you can to try and pick up the bits and pieces. And they do that fairly well, you know. Um, lots of like uh, championship sides play power football, and that, you know, and um, 
uh, and it's quite successful. Was certainly successful, you know, in in, in past years. So um, it will be a difficult task down there. You know, they'll have to have their A game on. Um, otherwise, there there will be, um, you know, they, they will find a very difficult night. The, the, the crowd, the crowd at the end, the Yeovil crowd, are very verbal in their abuse towards the players and to, towards the team at the end, weren't they? It was sort of, uh, you know, we, we saw um, Alex Fisher outside, didn't we, Rick? And um, mm-hmm. he he understood it was a bad performance. You know, he, he chatted a little bit to us about it and uh, they were aware it was a shit performance. Um, but it shouldn't have been like that. It just shouldn't have been like that. Off, um it's a big question, Rick, but what have what have you all got to do differently um, when it comes to going to the replay? Be interesting as well, because by the time the listeners um, get hold of this podcast, yeah. they probably would know the result. So uh, whatever you say, you might be looked to you might look silly, or you might look like you know what you're uh, talking about. <laughs> the, the thing is, by selecting a strongest side to try and keep the winning run going, there's nowhere. To turn, you can't suddenly strengthen that team because that was on paper with availability, probably over strongest side uh, on Saturday. It's just got to be a change. It's just got to be a change of attitude. They've had the experience of uh, thinking they're going to turn up, stroll it, and win it. That's clearly not going to work. It's certainly going to be twice as hard at Taunton. So it's just a case of go out. You know, sometimes when teams are getting battered and the manager makes no substitutions, he sends the same players out and says, "You know, you made this mess." You go and sort it out. And I would imagine, I would hope, that it's going to be a similar sort of attitude towards the replay. It's like this shouldn't be going to a replay. If you've got any qualms with playing again on a Tuesday night when you were going to have a week off, it's your own fault that you're here. So put it right. And you'd hope that that sort of attitude, they'd learn from it. Because you very often, you learn more from defeats and bad performances than you do for when everything's yes. running running your way, don't you? You know that, Bobby, mm. don't you? You, you? you pick up more from... The lessons are learned in adversity. Anyone can, if it's all going well, anyone can do that. But it's how you react to disappointment, and it will it will say a lot about the side tomorrow. I think. Yeah, when you win a game, sometimes you know you just uh, brush over things that are wrong. Sometimes you've even got to analyse when you win. Sometimes more than when you actually lose, because you know as you lose or you get a bad result or a bad draw, like you know like Saturday. Then yeah, you definitely learn more from that. But um, I mean, the players to watch out for, you know, you know, is um, McCutie. We had him up at um, Polton when I was uh, assistant manager up there. Um, you know, Lucas is, is is a decent, you know, enough lad. Um, so they've got some strike force there. And McCutie, I tell you now, is not fighting to have a shot. So they must be it really well aware. Started. They did. Yeah. Him, Stern and Jarvis, they played as a three, didn't they, Rick? And they yeah. um, they caused a lot of problems. I know it was yeah. nil-nil, but they caused the back three a lot of problems. He's surprisingly mobile, isn't he, for a big fella, McCutie? McCutie, we, well, we had him at uh, Poulton. Uh, we had a lot of interest and uh, uh, around him. Western you know, not the mayor from... as well, was it, Dorby? Sorry? He was up at Western as well. I think we saw him yeah. at a friendly yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know he, he he's just one of those players that's got decent touch. Sometimes looks a little, a little bit languid at times when it's not going quite right. But if he's on form, you know it, this is where you know we had a couple of league clubs have a look at him, and uh, certainly conference clubs have a look at him. And uh, you know he got his move, and uh, he deserves it. And he scored a lot of goals for us at the Bolton, and um, he's he's certainly not. Uh, he's, he, he really, you know, you need to keep an eye on him because uh, one chance in the wrong area. He's going to stick it away. 
you know, but um, yeah, I just think the formation, I mean, you've got a back three, he's got a five across the middle. There should be enough, there should be enough in there with Matt Worthington, you know, Perry Pearson, um, Morgan Williams. I'm not, not sure where they've put him. They seem to have him on the left-hand side here. Did he play on the left-hand side? Uh, no, so I think it was right. the right-hand side and Shuri yeah. Johnson was playing left. Left, yeah. See, that, 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 they've got them both on the... Uh, it's like a holding role here, but um, yeah, I'm a bit surprised. The, the thing with the three, three at the back, it's a very, very attacking-minded game. I think we've talked about this before, Dave. You know, and um, uh, Rick, it's 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 very much the fact that the the wing backs have got to be on the front foot. Yeah. You know, and and uh, and I'm not sure whether they they coach this. I don't know about his coaching or whatever. But he's a highly rated coach, uh, the manager, so he, he should know about it. But it's really important that the the outside centre halves, left and right hand side, marking the channel, that's so important. And it's it's difficult to say it or show it, but when they're marking just slightly backward, uh, you know, and but in the channel, it means you can be dominated. But also, if you can win the ball there, it means that you can push your wing back on further. Because you're covering around him. It's almost like, really, you can almost say, we can play like a 4-4-2, but we're doing it by by marking on the outside. I don't see that happening. So if they're not telling them, I think they should be telling them where they go. It's, it's, it's a little bit more risky because you could get caught in behind if you're caught out of position. But if you can read the game, you know that. But what that does, that makes your, your midfield stronger because then you've got literally the five across midfield and then they, if you're intelligent enough, then you can drop back in when you need to, and then release them when you need to as well. So the Ben Richards Everton and Owen Bevin, they're really, really critical to that, the success of that. Because not just verbally, but giving the pass and the ball to those wing backs so that they can be on the front foot, but also encouraging them to close down their, their full backs as well. And um, you know, that's what I'd like to see them be more dominant in that wing back area. And I think that we've we've seen it in past seasons when Yeovil have width and they get more crosses in, they're very successful. The thing with Morgan Williams is he's he's got the defensive side of the game off pat, perfect, calm, yeah, good in a defensive situation. But you get he gets so much certainly on Saturday, he was getting so much of the ball in the final third, and it's not his game, and it showed it's not his game. Yeah. It's, it's difficult though, Rick, isn't it, with wing backs? Because it, it seems yeah. to be like the whole buzzword in football at the moment. But I don't mean to turn it around to Liverpool, but hear me out here. But what you've just said about Morgan Williams is the exact opposite of yeah. what people's, you know where I'm going with this, what yeah, people absolutely. say about Trent Alexander Arnold, yeah. because yeah. he's so good going forward and a perfect yeah. wing back. Oh, but he can't defend. So, but then I guess Liverpool don't play as a three. <laughs> So see, maybe the perfect, that's why. See, the perfect scenario there would be to have um, Trent Alexander and Gomez behind him playing in that three. Yeah. You know, because then 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 that would he doesn't have to worry too much about his defensive side. Well, we'll, come, we'll, come, on, we'll come on to that yeah. a little bit later because I yeah. do have some England chat um, in my um, list of things. But just before we um, move on from Yeovil... Um, I was going to call you Sam then, Thorpey, because of your name. <laughs> I think the listeners yes. know by now that you do come on with, um, with Samantha Thorpe. Yes. <laughs> but, um, it was announced this week that um, Martin Starnes would uh, be coming back to Yeovil Town in a CEO role. Um, I wanted to ask your take on it, Thorpey, because 
Am I right in thinking that you you know Martin quite quite well? Yeah. Do you see that as a good thing for the club? I, I do, I do. If if the if the owner allows him to, you know, that's the big thing as well. You know, when when you're sort of like um, being given a role, it's fantastic, and I think that he's definitely shown it. He's shown at Swindon, he's shown at Plymouth. You know, I think he's been at Bristol Rovers. He's very, very good at his job. You still need to be unleashed by the owner to be able to do that. And if he's done, if he's allowed to do that, I think he'll do a very good job. You know, and I, it's it's so needed to get Yeovil back to where they need to be, not just financially, but you know, the for the fans because the fans are suffering at the moment. You know, will I tell you? And uh, that they are suffering out there, and that's why they got the gripes and groans, and that's why realistically that they're, they're they're sort of like moaning a little bit earlier than they really should do you know i don't think chris has done a bad job at all you know with limited funds and limited and trying to build a new squad uh limited players um a young squad you know it's very very difficult to 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 uh knit that team together and um you know he's, he's found it challenging you know and um you know he's um He's a very highly thought of, a very honest fella. And um, I think our last manager was very honest as well. You know, but but the financial side of the, the, the club is uh, is making it very difficult for managers to be able to succeed and also build a squad decent enough to get promotion. Um, so it's, it's going to be challenging in a few years. And that's why, why the fans are getting very, very frustrated. And um, I'd like to see them get behind the team um, a little bit more instead of just going, you know, it's easy to go and have a go at somebody. But I'd like to see them get a little bit more behind the squad. Well, just one final point then on, on you, because like you say, I don't want to be sort of no. um, too negative, but obviously it was difficult after, after what we had to watch um, yeah, on the weekend. But Will, what Thorpey was just mentioning there, I just want to ask your opinion quickly before we move on. Have you noticed um, a shift in um, the fans and what they were expressing at the match? Or... Um, have you seen them, you know, the last time you saw them, were they're always on a downward trajectory anyway, so maybe there was no difference. And I appreciate that the game that was put on display probably didn't help. <laughs> I, I think with the game on Saturday, it was, as I said earlier, it was we as Yeovil fans expected us to win that game. You know, we're looking at a team that's below us um, league-wise, and you kind of expect it in in the level that we're playing over these days. You know, we expect to win. I I, I would think as a as a fan, I expected us to win that game. To be a nil nil, I think we all did. Yeah, it was crazy. Nil. I've never thought it would be a nil nil. Um, I I, t I watched Yeovil um, in the lower leagues. You know, I I don't think I actually went when they were in the championship. I used to go. You know, we're talking, as I said before, 10 years, at least 10 years ago. And um, the, the, the fans, on Saturday, the fans had the right to moan. You know, the whole thing, you know, it's just simple stuff. I was even shouting out, and I don't do that too often these days. But, you know, there's passes on that players weren't seeing. They, they seemed scared to do the easy pass across the pitch, you know, to a free wing back or something like that. It was ridiculous. And I think that's what the people, you know, the people around me, not including Adrian, because he knows nothing about football, but the people around me... Um, you can say that tonight. 
Yeah. <laughs> now he's probably listening. Um, but we're feeling the same as me. We, I know we're high up and we can see right across the pitch, but there was a number of times when a pass through the middle from the, from the wing was the option because he was on his own, but he didn't get the pass. And there was a lot of that simple stuff we weren't doing. It was easier. Our players seemed to have got into this thing, pass back, pass back, rather than looking around and making the right pass forward. And I think that just frustrated the people, you know, the crowd around me, because we could see that. And it's just a wonder why the players could do it, you know. So I, I, I don't... I like to think we're going to do okay tomorrow, but it's going to be tough. You know, to win that tomorrow is going to be a tough game. You know? Yeah, well, as we've touched on, football's a funny old thing, isn't it, Thorpe? Because win that one, and suddenly, if it's yeah. a decent win as well, and then you've got the momentum back and things are looking on the up again, when um, you thought that that was going to be the case after winning 1-0 against Solihull last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And th- this game tomorrow is all will all be about desire and passion. It will have nothing to do... Listen, the skill will be in there. And if it comes out in a, in a magical moment, then it's fantastic. But I'll tell you now, when you go in the likes of Taunton now, that's about work rate, you know, desire, passion, everything you've got for 90 minutes, maybe longer, you know, to get that result. You know, and uh, that... That's when we when we went down to uh, sorry to bore people about the past, but you know it, it's it's always very exciting to me because I was part of it. When we means. went when we went to Weymouth and we had no hope, right? The only way we were going to win that game was about desire, passion, you know, ability. You know, well, obviously comes into it, but it was all about our work rate and could we outwork them and create enough chances and take and be ruthless and take our opportunities. And on that day, it couldn't have worked better. You know, like for me personally, I was against, uh, you know, a massive great big centre forward, you know, it was a real, real battle, you know, and I was hurting. The next day I was hurting. You know, as a young lad, when you think of going in the FA Cup, it was a fantastic result. We were absolutely buzzing. The town was buzzing that night. And I was thinking, this is what this is all about. You know, and that's what they're going to need tomorrow night. They're going to need that extra bit of sharpness, that extra bit of work rate. And with, I don't know, this this leads into the question I was going to ask Rick and Will, is that do you feel that with modern day football, where like the idea in the old days was just get the ball forward, get the ball forward, let's play forward. You're attacking, you get the ball and you, and you play it wide, you get it, you know, get your crosses in and you try and hit that box with midfielders, attackers, you know, people on the edge trying to wait. And, but it's all about attacking play. Do you feel the modern game, uh, and that's where the passion is, is lacking, because, it's, as Will said, it was easy to play that backward pass. It was easy to play that sideward pass, because then you're not, you're almost like giving away the, the ball. Oh, I've got the ball. Um, I don't want to lose it. Right, so I'll give it back, or it's because it's all about possession, and we've been told about possession. The first thing for me, and Pep Guardiola's really fantastic at it, and all the top coaches are, the first thing should be to look forward. You know, and I don't see enough of that in, in possibly the lower leagues because they're all trying to emulate the Premiership and European teams about possession football. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to like go forward and lose the ball, but then try and win it back in a higher position. Uh, you know, to be successful. Now, it doesn't make it any less attractive a football, 
um, trying to put that longer ball. But then, you know, if you're just tapping the ball around at the back and keeping it and keeping keeping it, you're still not penetrating where you, where you need to in certain areas where you could possibly do that, um, you know, in a higher position and then try and support that pass by getting in positions, you know. I'll give you an example. Brian Hall used to have a comment. He'll say, we'll win this game nil-nil. What he's actually saying is, if we defend so hard and we, we will get chances and we've got the, we've got the ammunition to actually, you know, um, score against these teams. And he was bang on. If we all work so hard defensively, but not just the back four, the midfielders, the wing backs, or whatever position, the forwards, then we were more likely going to win that game. And we generally did. And then that gave you that level of confidence. I don't think we've pressed since the last manager as well and as, as, as a team. And I'd like to see that tomorrow. Tomorrow, And the one thing I'd say is, right, if we're going to go out, let's go out really going for it. Let's press them and press them and press them. Make them make uh, mistakes higher at the pitch, win the ball home. Let's just get at them. More of like a counter attack game, really. Rick? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> what was it? I, ran, I, 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 went on, I obviously went on a little bit there. No, so, um, yeah. I mean, you're the, you're the ex pro, Thorpe, so obviously you, you yeah. tell us, and you've certainly recognised that. I mean, Rick, you, you, you've seen as well that. You know, there is obviously a, something that needs to be more penetrative, if that's the word, um, in what we've seen at the moment. And if that means in getting it to the box as quickly as possible, then there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. No. Uh, the thing is, I, I think that Yeovil are set up as more of a, especially going to five at the back, more set up as a low block counter-attacking side than... That's probably what what threw them a bit, and it's not unexpected. But on Saturday against Taunton, against because the result the results so far this season, we've been commending them all season. They've been against higher teams, teams that are higher than, in the league than Yeovil. So therefore, you do tend to sit back a bit and you can counter. On Saturday against a team from a lower division, Yeovil have the impetus on them to get forward and dictate play, and I don't think it suits them. I, I think they're more useful as uh more effective rather as a as a counter-attacking side than a, than a side that is dominating and it, it's inevitable you're going to have more of the ball against the lower uh level side and and i don't think it suits the suits the players or the way they're set up having said that they're going to have to uh do something tomorrow and something's going to have to happen tomorrow isn't it because you, you're not going to be able to to, to have Taunton coming on to you all the time. The overlook is going to have it. It is one of those games. It is just forget everything else. It's the result. Blood, guts, thunder, glory. Go out and get him progress in the FA Cup. Well, let's move on then, because like I say, by the time that the listeners um, pick up this podcast, we might potentially be in the next round. So let's just do hey. a little scenario. Congratulations, Yeovil, on your victory. Well played, well lads. Extra time in penalties. That was a rough old night, wasn't it, Rick? Oh, reminds me of Weymouth last season. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we've I think we've covered all the um, scenarios. <laughs> but um, Rick, one place to start then in the Premier League. So I'll start with yourself. Liverpool one, Manchester City nil. Rick, did you watch it? I did actually. You hate me, don't you? Coming to me first on that. Um, well, I'd love to know your honest assessment, please, on 
how you thought the game went, um, the talking points, and yeah, I'll ask the question: Was it the right outcome for you? Never me, the right outcome, of course. Not personally, but not on the balance of play. Not personally, because for me personally, if they both lost five 0 that would be the perfect result. <laughs> uh, Liverpool, Liverpool deserved it. They came with a came with a game plan, executed it, and uh, yeah, you can't say much more of that. They were they were effective. They got the breaks. I do understand what Pep was his complaint about the City goal being disallowed. I totally understand where he's coming from there. If the referee said beforehand that he's going to let play continue and he's not going to it's be a weird one. It's a weird one, that, yeah. isn't it, Rick? Because but you're right, it was, he was letting everything play. But then if you're letting everything go, should it have even gone to VAR then, I guess, is the yeah. argument. Once it's gone to VAR, you're going to nitpick and you're going to find forensically something to disallow the goal. That's the nature of VAR. But having said what he said, you know, it just it comes back and bites them on the bum a little bit. But having said that, Liverpool does it, did deserve to win. Um, yeah, let's hope it's the last win for them this season. Thorpe, I'll, I'll come to you in a second because I just want to hear um, Will's assessment as a, dare I say, neutral Will before I go on to a fan's perspective with Thorpe. Did you oh, very to- dare yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a neutral. Um, going back to the, the VAR thing, they did say, I heard on the telly today, that if if that had passed, the um, Haaland pulling over Fabinho, they would have um, not allowed the goal anyway because they felt the ball was kicked out of um, Alisson's hands on the next next phase of that attack. So but they would have got it wrong twice. Well, <laughs> well to me... You know, VAR, I keep saying, the bloody towel's wagging the dog all the time now. And, you know, as you say, how far back do these things go, you know, in this phase of play? How far back do they have? Yeah, you know, how far, you know. (laughs) Was there something before Haaland got pulled over for Bino that they could have picked up on? You know, and as you say, if the referee says play on, and it was quite a bit after that, that, you know, play on normally means to me in the next five seconds, you know, if it hasn't gone the right way, then they'll have, take the, you know, take the free kick. But it went on quite a long time. And, and it's the passion of the goal and the players and the crowd that were there and Foden scoring, all of that gets lost, doesn't it? It's just incredible how that has changed. Football has changed because of our, and that's good. That, that passion and that emotion is wiped out. And players really can't, afford to celebrate until two minutes after they've scored and it's just taken away something from the game that you you know cock-ups by referees and linesmen was, has always been part of the game and you know now we've got VAR it's 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 become too technical as for the game itself um it's amazing how sort of two or three weeks ago Liverpool were well not even two or three weeks but they were Oh, that's it. They've lost it. You know, all their players are crap now. Whereas they've just beaten the best team in the world, 1 0. And suddenly they're all good again. It's just amazing how the media and that sort of puts them down last week and now they're up top of the mountain. It was a great game, one of the best games I've ever seen. You know, it's just had everything, different ways of playing. It was a great game and a great goal to win it, you know. So. Beautiful Thorpe, from a from a Liverpool perspective, um, yeah. I certainly feel like this one because as far as I'm concerned, Liverpool do live inside Bernardo Silva's head 
rather rent free. And um, the fact that he was the first person to come out and complain um, just literally about everything in the match uh, on Sunday, I for one was quite was quite happy about that. <laughs> what did you think of it, Thorpey? Yeah, I, I yeah I was uh, nibbling away at my nails, and um, I thought Man City had a lot of possession. I thought they played played well. Liverpool looked like the old Liverpool. I was so pleased for Salah to get the winning goal. I thought he should have had one before that. He should, you know, um, and I thought we played Haaland really, really well. Um, I thought the foul was definitely a foul. Can't believe the referee didn't see that. I thought he let too much go. Um, although that did allow the for the excitement of the uh, of the game. Um, I think that the VAR. I agree with Will. It's taking away goals from football, and you know, I've said this before. Other other games, you wouldn't take away touchdowns out of uh, American football, you know. Uh, but it, it's um, it's taken a lot away from the excitement away from from the game. And uh, I would like to to possibly go back uh, to the old way, where there is that little bit of um, something, uh, you know, where where they they make the odd mistake. Because um, okay. it seems to be they're making more. Do you feel they're making do you, more? Do you think? Do you think with this now, VAR was supposed to be for clear and obvious. Yeah. Now they're going back so forensically. If it takes you ten minutes yeah. to decide if somebody's toenail no. was offside, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clear and obvious. Forget about that. it. If Just you can't make, if you cannot it. make, this is where I'd like to see footballers in in charge of that VAR because they see yeah. the game differently. Yeah. You know, I could I can make a decision like that. I look at look at VAR, I go, that's a foul. To, to me, to me, that the Haaland, that was a foul. You know, yeah. I, I know he, he made a mistake. I, no, I, no, I don't. I think he was really pulled back and I think he, he, he did no balance, so he gave up because he thinks that's going to be a foul. In modern day football, that's a foul every single yeah. time. You know, um, the second part of it, where uh, is Allison first of the ball? It's a minute fraction. You could say that, but I think that, listen, I've been in that situation and I'm going in on a keeper every single time. You know, and, uh, and, and I felt that, that if that was the decision, I'd have allowed the goal to go ahead because I didn't feel there was sufficient time to say that he had... I would agree full with that. He didn't have what we would yeah. call full control of the ball. You'd be um, disappointed to lose a goal through that, wouldn't you? Yes. Oh, if, I, if I was in Haaland's situation, I'd have been at or, or Pep's situation as a manager, I'd have been fuming. The first one, if he analyzes that one, that's a foul every single minute of the day. Then all of a sudden, the whole the thing about these decisions, they change every aspect of the game because what yeah. happens afterwards would never. I think if Pep Guardiola analyzes it, then then he's going to say that's a foul all day long, and um, you know and. Uh, I think that Yeovil, sorry, Liverpool's uh, game plan really just worked, and uh, it was for me. It was lovely to see um, some fluidity. I lo lo loved seeing their defending like they used to. Um, I think Gomez, so Gomez and um, and, Ro and Robertson on the left hand side were absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, long for me, long may that continue. You know, there is, you know, it was just a fantastic football game. I mean, my brother sent me a message and said uh, that's why everybody across the world wants to, to watch the Premiership because uh, 
as a global product, um, I thought it was absolutely magnificent. Um, Rick, we we spoke a couple of times actually on sort of the tail end of last season about how Salah's form had felt like that it dipped. And one thing that we really noticed against Arsenal was whether it was Salah's fault or not, because against Arsenal, he hardly got the ball and he was stuck out on the wing. Did that game sort of inspire... Obviously, he got the hat-trick when he came on against Rangers at midweek, and people might say, "Okay, it's Rangers, but it's still a hat-trick from his perspective in the Champions League that we'll be happy with. But do you think that game against Arsenal really sort of made made it quite obvious that Salah just needed to be far more central and getting more creative in that final third because the quality has always been there, but he's yeah. just never necessarily been in the right position to score a goal. And he's not going to be if you play him wide on the touchline. He's your best but was that the problem or was there a bit yeah. more to it than I that? So. I, th- I think that was that was the problem. He just he was played in the wrong areas. You look at it, look at the game against City yesterday. He could have had two goals because the first one, when he was clean through again, that was a fantastic save from Edison. Mm. And then the, the finish, that's that's where you want Mo Salah playing. If he's in your squad, you want him, you don't want him moving, although he's technically a, a right-sided attacker, you want him playing within the boundaries of the penalty area because that's where he's and running, running at defences and that's where he's going to score goals. And that's where he does score goals. But don't you think though? Also, like we had it with uh, with Arsenal. I mean, Jesus has, has like come from City, where they played him on the left hand side, didn't they? Mm. You know, and he wasn't scoring as many goals. Still scoring enough goals, but wasn't scoring as many goals. But Brazil played him both. That was that was the thing yeah. But they was, uh, it's a slightly different role because they're more like yeah. rotation. It's more of a rotational thing, isn't it? Like with uh, Brazil, yeah. which is a continental. South, you know, South American continental style, isn't it? But um, you know, now now Arsenal are playing him down the middle. Um, you know, it, it, he's they're getting the rewards. And I think Salah, you're right. Salah needs to be more, almost like a number ten with a free roll, really, yeah. where he can just pop up in those little pockets. You know, but he does see see playing out on the right. He does favour coming in on the left. Well, after yeah. two or three seasons, defenders are getting smart to that. You know, and um, going him outside still. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. So, they're, so, they're, so they're now playing him a lot better because they played yeah. against him a few, but a few if times. You're, if you're defending against Liverpool, you don't want Mo Salah running at you centrally. No. You want him. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Time, don't you? So it, was, yeah. it just seemed like a bizarre... If you're going to try and adapt the system that Liverpool have got, and this is the big challenge that I think Klopp's guys came there, rebuilt the side, he's built one great team. This is, this is why... Sir Alex is the, the greatest manager in the certainly in the modern game because he built three great sides at United. That's the test of a manager. When you mm. realise your team comes to, it has a sell-by date, and then you ship those players out and you rebuild, and if you can rebuild another dominant, successful team. And that's what Klopp's in the, in the process of, of now. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm not fond of Liverpool, but I'll, I'll give Klopp one piece of advice. You, don't, you ain't going to get anything if you've got Mo Salah playing on the right wing. On the touchline. Yes. Uh, the, th- the thing I've, I feel about Mo Salah, when Sadio Mane was playing, um, and he was safe for Mino, um, he, he, he still played outside on the right, but he maybe they had more flexibility with that lineup, and he, he, was, he moved more inside because it was how they worked. You know, that was how they attacked at that time with those three players. 
And I think maybe now they've changed. Sadio Mane was a very important player, which he's realised totally now he's gone. It changed everything for me, looking at Liverpool. Do you think Will, just on that, that Firmino coming back into form has helped because he's often been that link player and him being back in that three probably allows Salah to be able to do what you've just touched on? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Firmino's starting to play really well now again. And he he, he gets everyone involved. Most Salah could could have been out on the right wing, but because Firmino was there, he was always pulled in and he was part of that attacking setup. Um, And I think... If you leave Mo Salah on the right wing and he's not part of it, he just gets lost and that's it. When you put him in the middle, as he was yesterday, um, he was absolutely brilliant. He's scared of living daylights out of Well, let's, let, let, let's move on then. Before I do, just quickly on from a City perspective, is anyone concerned about City or everyone's still pretty <coughs> confident, for want of a better word, that they'll still go on and win the title? Yeah, I, I think, that, yeah, I think they'll, they'll win the title. Yeah, yeah. I, think they win it. I still think they they'll might. win it. By... The yeah, only difference is they might they might wait until Easter to win it rather than have it wrapped hmm. up by Christmas or the World Cup or something. That's it, it's a, I will say one thing: it's a fantastic job that uh, they're doing up at Arsenal. It's the most. You well, know, we're, gonna, really... we're just going to come on. That was my next point, Thorpe. So I'll let you slide into that one then, we'll quite seamlessly. Um, Hit me with a question: a one-nil win up at Leeds and I think Arteta pretty much said afterwards that it was their toughest game and uh, that proved to be the case and it took a penalty save as well and some last ditch defending 1-0 to the Arsenal we've heard that um, long before and um, it's probably a while since we've sort of associated with Arsenal with that kind of level of Arsenal but that was a key win if they want to get anywhere this season wasn't it? Absolute key win. Eight you know, wins and um, nine, I think. Yeah. Or nine wins yeah. and ten. One of them. Yeah. <laughs> but certain things have gone well for them. They, they've, they've got themselves, an, I think they'll all, everybody will agree, they've got themselves an amazing goalkeeper. You know, uh, the, the big thing for me is, and he struggled the first few games when he arrived, is Ben White. I think, uh, I think we can all say that Ben White's performances is now putting him right up there. Um Possibly for, for, for an England, you know. Because um, we need a right back, don't we? Well, he's not a right back, is he? He's not a right back. He, he's, he's, a, he's a central defender, isn't he? Yeah, but he's, he's playing he's, on the right hand side. He's, he's, kind, of, he's side. kind of a Joe Gomez type that can do either or. He's like yeah. a he's a he's a right back centre back, if you will. <laughs> yeah, but you just out he's out and out defending. It's ex- excellent. You know, listen, England have only got really, I think, one proper right back and, and he's playing for Newcastle. Hold the right back chat because I've got that later in the conversation because okay. of some injuries that have come up. So, so keep that in yeah. mind, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, you know, but all, also you've got some some young talent. I think Jesus has, has come to her, but Saka's playing really well. Martinelli is on fire and I think the man, the, the person that holds it all together is, is, is the most amazing player. Is, is Odegaard, you know, and then you've got the drive of, of Zaka. Um, Thomas just sits in there, but Odegaard and uh, Zaka really is, you know, you've got the fiery and, and, and the aggressive Zaka, and then you've got the, the finesse and ability of passing that Odegaard's got. But also, I mean, I'd like to see his mileage because he does get through some work. Is anyone around this um, Zoom session, comp- maybe confidence is the wrong word, but feel that Arsenal can at least go toe-to-toe with City or 
do you not think that will be the case? Do you think they'll fall away? Like Rick, for example, I know that you're not at all confident that Arsenal will be anywhere near the top, but what about if I change that question then to at least be top four? Yeah, that it's it's a case yeah. at the moment, isn't it, of of being the best of the rest. There's a group of what six clubs potentially chasing that that top four. One of them, one place has gone. Um, interesting that Arteta said that was his hardest game of the season. So uh, the game at Old Trafford that he lost three one was obviously an awful lot easier. On Arsenal would revert to time. One thing that's, again, one of those things that seems to have been a lucky, not so lucky for him, but lucky for the football. That's a very good point, Rick. That's a very good point. So that is a very good point, to be fair. You're right, they did lose. Sooner or later, can I retire now? I've made one. Can I go home? Was that their only defeat? Yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, but um, they had four into three won't go with Elliot Smith-Rowe. Now he's injured. The decision's been made. It's the other three that have to play up front. And it's one of those things that they're playing so well as a three now. You mm. can have too many talented players that don't fit the system. And by whether it's by luck, coincidence or whatever, they stumbled upon the best combination. Or you would hope it's the best combination because if there's a better one in there, then they would be a frightening team. But that three works, works best for Arsenal, I think. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. But... I'd, I don't know. They're, they're, they're not going to go head-to-head with City. They're not going to be a threat to City. But they've got every possible, every chance of uh, finishing runners-up this season. I, I personally think Arsenal, as Rick's saying, I don't think they'll win it. But one of the reasons I don't think they'll win it, they haven't got as good a bench as Man City. Because every time mm-hmm. Man City brings on a player, <laughs> he would be in any other team, wouldn't he? So I don't think Arsenal have got that depth. You know, and that in the end, that kind of becomes part. That, of... That's fair enough, but but well, could you still at least see them getting to somewhere like February, March, and still being, you know, second, for instance? Um, yeah, but I, I, you know, injuries are, are going to play a part in their season. I think that you know they've got some really good players. You know, if Odegaard gets injured, he's now their captain, so he must be a leader as well, as well as being a talented player. You know, if he goes and. And I say Zacco or what's his name, the sweet, the Swiss guy, um, Jacko. Yeah, he, he's playing really well now. He's turned the fans around to to be in fighting while they love him now, don't they? These are very important players, but they seem to play every game. And I just feel that if they lose that nucleus of the players that they've got who are doing the mm-hmm. thing at the moment, they won't. Runners up, I'm not sure. Top four. Yes, but not. I'm not necessarily about runners up. Well, let's look at the the rest of the results then, because Chelsea certainly look like they've turned a little bit of a corner. If it's not too early to use that um, turn of phrase, with a two 0 win over a struggling Villa, and I, I, as much as I'd quite like it to work out for Stephen Gerrard on a personal note, I'm not really sure um, that's going to end too well. Spurs. Uh, comfortable win really over Lampard's Everton two 0 and a blank at, at Old Trafford. I didn't actually catch any of the highlights between Manchester United and Newcastle because I actually I actually fell asleep before I got to the last game on match of the day too. So out of out of those sides, um, Rick, we obviously frustrating to 
to get a blanket home to Newcastle, I guess. But then maybe Newcastle will be one of those sort of candidates that will be in and around sort of the Europa places. So maybe a point against them isn't a bad thing. I don't know. How did you how did you see the weekend's result with yourself, Chelsea and Spurs winning as well? Uh, from the from the United point of view, it's a fairly toothless performance, especially after the Europa League performance uh, on on Thursday. So United pretty similar then, by all accounts. Yeah, the two performances. Yeah, yeah. and then you you chuck into the mix the game that we watched on Saturday. I've, I've had a great time with it just lately. <laughs> but a goal fest. <laughs> but um, no, I, I I think United will be there. They're about so. Yeah, it's difficult to say. Who misses out, do you think? Because who, who will be the top the top four? Because keep saying there's other ones. Arsenal, United, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool. One's going to miss out from that. Yeah, I mean, well, I think, I think certainly from a Chelsea, United, Spurs perspective, they've been looking at the result, particularly between Liverpool, Man City, and going, oh, that's the last thing we needed, Liverpool beating Manchester City, because they'll feel that they've got a little bit of momentum now. It's amazing how, like Will touched on, the talk can change as quickly as that. But then I guess we're only 10 games into the season, so does it really matter? Mm. Nottingham Forest fans will hope that it doesn't really matter, for instance. Well, of course, as as this podcast goes out, uh, United are 2-0 up against Spurs. So that's obviously a good thing from the United point of view. Of course, there's midweek action. You're absolutely right. There is midweek action this week. But um, if I was a good enough host, I would have actually had the full fixture list for midweek alongside me here. But I'm not, and I don't. So uh, I'm going to rely on you boys for the midweek fixtures. But um, Thorpey, I'll, I'll come to you then. Um, what, do, what did you have to, to say, certainly on that top four, four race, particularly Spurs, Arsenal and um, Manchester United? Yeah, I, first of all, I think January is going to be so important. I don't know what the other guys think, but I think January, uh, what chairman is, is going to back their manager? You know, we, Sorry, just quickly, not... Thorpey, I meant Chelsea, Spurs and Manchester United, just in case any Arsenal fans say, hang on. Not top four. We want the Premier League, David Pryor. Sorry, slipping the tongue myself uh, yeah. there. Carry on, Dorby. Yeah, no, I just think that, that January is going to be so important because you know all those teams will need to to strengthen to have that final push to get into the Champions League because the monetary side of the getting into the Champions League is so huge. You know, so are they? You know, is is Tottenham going to back? You know, is he going to back his manager, or is he going to threaten to lose his manager? That's the big one for me. You know, if he backs his manager, we know he's so hungry for success, you know, and he could easily get in into the top four with the right signings. You know, again, he'll need another striker. You know, he'll need another midfielder and possibly, you know, right through his spine. But um, do you think, Thorpey, do you think that Conte will get the backing given that next season, for next season, I'm talking about, given that three seasons is normally a bit of a stretch for him anyway? Do you go... Buying players to suit a manager who it's history an, would suggest won't yeah. be there. Listen, if he's not worked out that his place is in the Premiership, then then he doesn't deserve to mm. stay more than three years. It, he's running out of clubs to manage, isn't he? Really, so he, 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 that's the whole thing. These big, these big oh. names, these big names really need to start staying around the Premiership. And why not at a club where you know? I think he's got a good connection with his with his owner. You know, he's 
he's got an emo- probably the best stadium in the world. Um, yeah. You know, I'd like to think with, with the size of the stadium they got, the budget's going to go up. Um, he's in the Premiership. What more does the man want? Well, if you ask Rick Hyatt, he'll just tell you that Spurs are Spurs. Spurs are Spurs. Spurs are Spurs. Both both Will and Rick have both said, you know, Arsenal are going to fall away. That means that they'll trip up. You know, they've tripped up in the past. And why is it not going to happen this year? You know, again, for Arsenal and anybody to succeed, even Liverpool, Liverpool, probably more so than any of the other teams, need to buy the right type of players. Um, you know, Man United need to buy the right type of players that are going to get them into that position. You know, and as much as I like, I like watching Fred um, McTominay. I, I think that they're not they're, they're not what they need at the moment. Not I think they're good. They're good, but where Rick wants them to be, and where you know our fine leader wants them to be, you're not going to get that consistency at a high level um, to, to get them to where these fans want them to be. You know, and that's the same with Liverpool. You know, and um, we are behind. I, I'm so Coffee, impressed. Coffee, going to have to stop you there because yeah, we're getting, the, uh, <laughs> we're yeah. getting the, the signal. Um, but just yeah. very, very quickly, because I did say earlier in the podcast that we we're going to get it in. So I need to make sure we get it, get it in. So I just want yeah. one word answers from each of you that we all spoke about how many right-backs England have now got. But now that we've got injuries to potentially James and Walker going into the tournament, I want to know who you would now start at right wing-back for England. If I could just quickly get a name for each of you before we sign off. Thorpe, what about you? Right wing-back? Yeah. No no Uh, James, no Walker. Arnold. Arnold. Will? Joe Gomez. Oh, interesting. Rick? Trippier. Trippier. There you go. I I wanted to get it in because I said that I would. But unfortunately, we have run out of time. So thank you very much for listening to the podcast again for another week. Thorpey, thanks very much. Pleasure. Will, thank you very much for joining us again, mate. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Rick, thank you very much for your words of wisdom, as always. Always a pleasure. (laughs) Myself. Myself, Dave Pryor, and you've been listening to Football Bloody Hell. Sorry if we sorry if we just went over there, eh? <laughs> it wasn't very, 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 very